Man, coolest day ever right now. And I am freaking out of my mind. I, I would have thought that after the third service, like, hey, you got this, man. You know, everything's good. I'm sweating so hard right now. I'm like, man, someone, anyone else want to preach this message right now? Exactly. I'm like, all right, cool. So nervous. Uh, nervousness never goes away. I get to talk on behalf of God. No pressure. Hope this isn't terrible. All right, here we go. Um, let's pray, and um, we'll, we'll see what the Lord says today. Father, Jesus, help. Amen. Okay, so um, I, I, this, is, uh, this is my uh, 11th or 12th sermon that I wrote this week. I've been praying and all week long, freaking out, freaking, just so nervous. I said, God, what do you want to say? God, what do you want to say? God, what do you want to say? And I narrowed it down to, I just simplified it because I realized I was, I was making, I was trying to be like, we'll write a story that'll change everyone's life. And um, I got a phone call on uh, Saturday morning from someone that said, um, dude, just, just keep it simple. So anyways, that's what we're going to do. I am really excited. So first, a couple things you need to know. We are starting a series this week uh, that will go for about five or six weeks, and it's called I Am. It originated from the story of Moses having an encounter with God when God the, wanted Moses to go on behalf of him to the Egyptians. And Moses said, well, like, who should I say is sending me? And God answered back and said, tell them I am. Now, that's like kind of weird, right? Like, that's really like not like I'm Jesus or not like I'm awesome or I, I, I am. That's who, that's his name. When Jesus stepped on the scene, people were waiting for God to send his son for thousands of years. And Jesus stepped on the scene and made a lot of radical statements that really changed the game. And, uh, and it started with, I am. And so seven times in the gospel of John, Jesus said, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the gate. He said, I am the vine. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that I am the resurrection and the life. I can't believe I just remembered all seven of those. That, like, that just happened. That was really, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that. I was like, that just happened. Yeah. You didn't even have my notes or nothing. All right. And so he said seven times, he says, I am. And why that's important is because in our life, you have to understand that many of us are looking for something. Some of you came in here today and you don't know, but there's something missing in your life and you know it, you don't know what it is, you have so many questions and you don't have answers and Jesus is trying to get our attention and say, hey, I am. And I think that changes the game. Really who he is changes who we are. It changes our identity and it, it, it does everything. And Jesus really stepped on the scene to become the identity of God so that people understood who God was and what he was like, that he was merciful and he was mighty, that he was loving and that he was kind, that he was just, that he was firm also. I mean, he was firm, let's face it. And, and, uh, and yet he was so passionate about his people. God, Jesus really set the standard to identify the personality of God. And uh, I think that that's such an awesome thing. This week I've been uh, reading along and I've, I really feel like I've never been more spiritual in my whole life. I have prayed so stinking much this week. It's crazy. My wife actually, I think there were several times where I just got home and she was just like, I'm leaving you right now. You're so weird. You're creeping me out. Because I was just weird walking around. I've been praying so much, just thinking and thinking and thinking and studying. Uh, this week I've been studying the Holy Week. 
and where Jesus was in, his, in the journey leading up to the resurrection. And um, the Gospel of John has a lot of powerful words of teachings that Jesus uh, said the last couple hours before he went to the cross, the last couple days. I mean, can you imagine if you knew that you had one week before you died, um, the things that you would say and how important it is and the people that you would call and the words that you wanted them to know that they knew that they know that they know that they knew that they know that they know. He wanted them to make sure that they understood what the kingdom was going to be like and that he was coming back for them and that he had a plan for them and that he loved them. And he just continually saying a lot of the same statements over and over again because he wanted them to know. And um, in prayer this week, we, we had an awesome time Friday night. So many of you came to the Passover Seder dinner. It was so awesome. The lamb was fantastic. I don't know where they are, but they're here somewhere, the Bendels. They're gone now. But that was, the lamb was delicious. I've never had good lamb in my whole life, i got to admit. It was fantastic. And uh, it's because there was no green jelly on it. I don't like the green jelly. It's weird. <laughs> weird. All right, you got to stay on the message. So, um, so uh, this week, uh, then following up Friday uh, was a really uh, powerful day. And also, I want to say this. I don't know if many of you guys know, but um, today's also exceptionally cool for me because it's my birthday. Um, spiritually uh, speaking, like I um, today, 20 years ago, I made a decision for the first time to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And, uh, and it was crazy how long I was pursuing him and how in one moment, he came in a radical way into my life. And it looked probably casual to everyone else, but what God was doing in me was like a hurricane, man. And it was so wonderful and so perfect. I remember I was going to church for multiple weeks in a row for the first time. The first time I went to a church and there were all these people raising their hands and singing these songs. And it was like, they are so weird. But I was like staring at them like, because I knew that there was something powerful in the room. And I wanted to know it. And I'd go home, and that week I'd party with friends, and then we'd cut Saturday night to be out partying and be like, hey, guys, guys, tomorrow you, you got to see this church, man. It's crazy. And so I'd bring all these kids into church, and we'd have like, like two rows of just like high school kids, just a mess. They smelled terrible, and it was awful. And, and I remember uh, after like four or five weeks, um, I, was, I came with someone on Easter, and the person sitting next to me raised their hand. I got so mad at them, man. I was like, what are you doing? been wanting to do that for like five weeks. How did you just do that? Like, that was so hard for me. And I, I, I put my hand up that day. I received the Lord as my Savior, and someone prayed for me. And in that moment, God did so much in my life. It was like there was so much freedom. There was so much life. I knew in one moment that everything I was looking for in my life was summed up in one moment. And God changed everything for me. Many of you today, I don't know where you came from. I don't know your background, but I believe that God has been pursuing you your whole life, and he is trying to tell you, I am what you're looking for. And uh, I hope that you understand he is the hope of the nations. He is, I am, and uh, uh, it's a good thing. Did we pray yet? I'm nervous. Can you tell? <laughs> Jesus, help. Again, <laughs> again, all right, here we go. It's been a fun week, and um, also I want to make sure you know, this, this week, uh, Lacey prophesied it. This is a, a week of miracles uh, for so many reasons, uh, the Jews and the Israelites and everything. I mean, it's a week of miracles and Jesus being resurrected and so many things. And I don't know what you need, but I think your miracles here in this house today. No, don't, don't stop your worship. First thing I need you to know today is that the cross, it means love. The cross means love. The whole reason why Jesus came was so that we would understand that he loves 
us. I want to make sure that you understand today that I'm going to be talking a lot about me because God's done a lot in my life, but I'm trying to talk to you, not the person next to you today. I think that God is, he, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if anyone would open that door, I'll come in. And I think today that God is going to talk a lot to me and he's going to talk a lot to you. Does that make sense? And I think God wants you to know that the cross means love for a reason. God loves you. I, I didn't know this. I didn't understand what the gospel was about, but the gospel is about God wants us. He loves us. John three sixteen would say it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believeth in him would not perish, but have an everlasting life. God so loved the world. I didn't know it. I, I, I did not understand that God loved his people. I thought God was a mystery. God was distant. It was kind of like God had all these ants going around, and it was like a fun little thing to watch him, our lives being a mess. And I didn't understand that really what the whole story was about was Jesus. He was desiring us. I understand it now so much more, but now that I'm a father, it makes so much more clear. I have, uh, I have three kids, and uh, I remember when I had the first kid, Micah, and um, I, would, I would hold them for mom, you know, and I'd hold them, and it felt like every time she gave the kids to me, they would throw up. I don't know what, what the gift was that I had, but it was like they wouldn't throw up on her, wait until I get to dad, and, <clears throat> and I was like, oh, great, I got to throw up all over me. But what was really funny is when you're a dad and you're out in public and your kid throws up on you, it's like an honor. I don't know. It's like a badge. Like you don't go home and change your shirt and be like, ah, oh, I smell. I got throat. People are like, hey, Tim, what's going on? What's down on your shirt? Ah, oh, it's my son's throw up, man. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I don't know why I smell like urine right now, but it's all right. Like, oh, or it wasn't me. It was my kid, I swear. And, uh, you know, but there's something, there's like a badge of honor about like you wearing throw up, pee, poop. It happens all the time. And what I realized, this is a lot like the gospel God loves us so much. I, I, to this day, I don't think that I do anything that God benefits from. I, I, honest to God, I, I, you guys may be like, yeah, pastor's a good speaker, whatever. God doesn't need me to do any of this. I don't do anything that benefits him. He just loves me. In fact, really what's going on behind the scenes is I'm a, I'm a hot mess. And he's constantly cleaning up my life. He is constantly in pursuit of me. He is constantly saying, don't worry, you're my son. I love it when you're with me. It doesn't matter what you do. God is always in pursuit of it. So there's so many people, I remember like, I used to make this as an excuse, like I'll wait until I, I get my life right to get right with Jesus, you know? I'll get everything right. And like, God, no, no, no. I like you broken. I like you a mess. I like you. Like, and that's the thing that we don't understand is that God doesn't just love you. He likes you. And I've never known a love like this before. I've never known a love that God would love me so much that he would go and die in my place, that it would drive him to the cross so that way he can have relationship with us. I want you to understand the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus didn't come to earth. The purpose of your life is not to be married. The purpose of your life is not to have kids. Your destiny is not to work at Geico or Walmart or, or Publix. Your, your destiny, your, you were designed for one purpose, and that's it, to be a son and a daughter of God. We were made for intimacy with God. And Jesus came to restore that. And I've never known a love like that before because every love in my life that I have known has walked out on me. I come from broken family after broken family and there's so many people in my life that have said, hey man, I love you and I'm with you till the end. And then it's inconvenient for them and they're not here anymore. 
And God said, man, it doesn't matter what you just see. The people that I know in my life is like, like if I, when I'm a jerk to my wife, or I'm a jerk to my kids, or I'm a jerk to one of you, the, the, the instinct that man has is when you identify selfishness in someone, you push them at bay. When God identified the selfishness of man, he pursued them. And he said, no, 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 I'm not gonna let you run because I love you. And so he's constantly chasing us down. He's sending people in our life to say, hey, look, no, 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 there's a plan. There's a purpose in your life. God is not done pursuing us yet. And he's constantly saying, no, I'm not. I, I love you. I love you. I want you. I will fix you. I will make it better. I'm going to go to the cross because you're selfish. And I will restore this relationship. And I'll show you a better way. I've never known a love like this before. As a kid, it's crazy. and I'm so grateful to be, I don't know how the world does this, how they live life without God. If I would have ever been a husband now, not having known Christ, I'd be at such a disadvantage. Because the moment that my wife was mean or harsh or she had a moment of selfishness, I would do what the whole world does and put them at bay and protect myself, self-preservation, but, but Jesus was said, hey, look, 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 husbands, Paul said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. Meaning, when the church was a hot mess, which we are, he pursued us. Instead of fleeing, he stepped in. And we live in a world of self-preservation that they say, like, no, no, like, when, when, when if, I'm only going to love you as long as I feel like I love you. Or as long as my feelings are still saying that you're good, then we're good. But the moment that you start being mean to me, well, then I'm backing up and I'm getting out of here. But Jesus isn't never doing that. It's, it blows my mind. When I'm mean to my wife, the first person in my life is Jesus. If it, it wouldn't be any of you guys. If you guys saw me be a jerk to my kids, you'd be like, man, that guy's a jerk. I'm getting away from him. And Jesus would say, Tim, Tim, you're an idiot. Stop. Let's fix this. God is constantly calling out to us. He, the cross means love. The cross means I will fix you. The cross means Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the damage that they're causing. They don't know how selfish this they are. And the purpose of our life was never to be married, never to have kids. Never, they, all of that is good and it's purposeful. But we were created for relationship with God and he came to restore that. And I think that there's a void in our life that we will always look up at the stars and go, what am I here for? Until you realize that he just put stuff out there to make you go, wow, you're awesome. And you like me? The cross means love. You know what I, I think about all the time is like, in the nature in me, and maybe I'm just the only one here, but you ever go on a date with, a dinner date with uh, friends and they're like, hey man, we're gonna get the tab. No, 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 I got it. I got, I'm a man. I can pay. I'm a, I got the tab. In fact, we're getting a dessert. <laughs> I don't know what the desserts are, but we're going to get one and I'm going to pay for it. There's something inside us that wants us to fix it ourselves. Like we don't deserve you to do good things for me. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you don't understand. There's a debt. There's a tab that you can't pay. And I've got to pay this tab for you. That's what love is. I love you and you're worth it to me. The cross means love. Well, the cross happened on Friday night. And to this day, it's one of my favorite stories ever. But as I think about the timeline of the disciples and everything that would follow 
Can you imagine what it would have been like for the disciples to see Jesus, their best friend, hanging on a cross? The confusion that would come about. Well, in the life of every person in this room, I know that there's questions going on today. There's a lot of questions, and some of the questions aren't being answered right now. And I'm sorry for you, but I want you to know that there is an answer. Sometimes we're just not old enough or mature enough to accept that answer yet. What I mean by that is, uh, as a father, I'm constantly, my kids are, they, there's one question they live by. Does anyone know what that question is? Why? 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 Shut up! No. <laughs> I feel like that's what God's saying. <laughs> Shut up! No, <laughs> he's not saying that. <laughs> but, but even when I tell them the answer, they don't understand. Why can't I have cookies? Why can't I stay up too late? Because I have to wake you up in the morning, and you're not going to wake up. Because if you eat cookies, you're a terrible human being. You can't do it. Because there are so many reasons that I can tell you why, but you won't understand it anyway. And there are things happening in our lives right now that we have questions for that you wouldn't understand even if God gave you the answer. And some of it's just a maturity thing. And I'm sorry to say it, and I'll show you some of the questions that we have and how obvious it is in a minute. When I think about questions, I think about the disciples and how confusing it must have been for them on Saturday. After the guy that they had committed their lives to. Picture this. Here's Peter, a fisherman. He's got an established career. His father, his grandfather were fishermen. It was in his family tree for as long as he was alive. He's a fisherman and he's arrived. We know he has a family. He has a mother-in-law. He's got his whole thing going for him. And one day he sees a man that is living with a standard like no one else he's ever seen before. When Jesus walks around, blind people see. Holy moly, that guy's awesome. When Jesus walks around, the lame can walk. Wow, this guy's given purpose. When Jesus is walking around, people that have leprosy, their skin is literally melting off their body and no one will touch these people. If you have leprosy, people avoid you all the time. There is no human contact in your life and Jesus walks over to you and embraces you. First time this person's known comfort. Not only does he touch them, you don't have leprosy, Rachel, I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> Not only is there touch for the first time, but there's healing and there's wholeness. But can you imagine the tears of not even just being whole, but to know that like you weren't afraid to let me in your life. Peter sees this and he goes, man, I've never seen anyone like this. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are whole. I got to follow this guy. And, and he looks right at him and he says, hey, Chris Walker, I have a plan for your life. Leave your boat right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Chris, he just waxed his boat this weekend. Not a chance, right? Yeah, he's like, you can have my house, but you can't have my boat, right? And, uh, and so anyways, um, uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. I would do the same thing. And so, so Peter left his boat, left the keys in it, left his home, and took his family to follow this guy, Jesus. Miracle after miracle, hope after hope, restoration after restoration. And then comes the day where Jesus isn't breathing anymore. The questions that happens in that moment. Where do I go from here now? What do I do next? What do I do with my life? What does my family do? The plan was that we were gonna follow Jesus and impact many people for a long time. We were gonna give hope. We were gonna change lives. We were gonna do great things. But what do I do now? There's some people in this room that are asking similar things. Questions without hope. 
come when your boss calls you into his office and says that they're restructuring some things. We've got to make some changes. You're not going to be on the team anymore. Whoa, hope. It's suffocating. Has anyone ever felt it? You know, it looks like this. Hey, um, you know, I know we've been in this relationship for a long time, but I don't know how to tell you. I just don't have feelings for you anymore. Whoa, where do I go from here? You know, when, when your kid wakes up at four o'clock in the morning and they're screaming and they have a temperature of 104, 105, it is very frightening. Whoa, oh God, I can't fix them. Or you get the phone call from your relative and says, hey, mom's not with us anymore. Uncle's not with us. Your husband's not with us anymore. Your daughter is not with us anymore. It's absolutely suffocating. And where do we go from there? I'm gonna take you into scriptures and show you something. There's this story in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. It's really fascinating to me. Some real questions. Jesus has a few friends that are not his disciples. One's name is Lazarus, and he has two sisters. They're Mary and Martha, and often they're all found together. They're often in the same house. They're often hanging out, and something happened that Lazarus passed away. Now, I don't know if you have siblings that you're close to, or I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a close family or have close friendships, but if you've ever lost someone that you love, it is really scary. And some people can, the questions can get dark. And Martha and Mary lost their brother, Lazarus, that they loved. He provided for them and he gave them shelter. I'm gonna show you this here. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he told Lazarus that he had already, um, I'm sorry, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people came to counsel Mary and Martha in their loss. Martha got word that Jesus was coming, and she went to meet him. Now, you got to understand, she went to meet him with tenacity. Martha's the hard worker. Ma Mary is the uh, emotional one. She's the one that, like, is worshiping, and she's the one raising her hands, you know. Uh, anyway, so I'll tell you. Another time, it's funny. All right, but anyways, Martha uh, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She looked at Jesus and she basically said, hey, Jesus, it's your fault. It's your fault. I, you know what's crazy to me is that I, I know that I know that I know that there's people that don't serve God when things are good, but when things are bad, all of a sudden, God, where were you? I, I'm not trying to even be mean. It's, it's a natural tendency because we look to God when we're without hope. So God, why would you let that happen to my child? They're being bullied in school and I, I, that, that, that's not acceptable. God, why would you let that happen? Or God, my job, I just lost my job. Why would you let that happen? God, my family members, I've been planning. My plan was that they were gonna live with me for the rest of my life. Why would you let that happen? If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And I know that there are people with dark questions today that 20 years ago something happened and you're still holding on to it. Martha had a real question and Jesus had a real answer. He said this. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. In verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. I don't know your background. I don't know where you're from. And I don't know what your opinion is or your perspective of Jesus. But Jesus says that I am the bread of life. I am the hope of the nations. Like, I am the light of the world. He's the only one that I know that can say something like that. Jesus made a radical statement in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me say the difference in this religion. I, I looked into a lot of religions before I came to Christ. I have some friends that were Muslim, and I have a banker here. Her name was Farnoosh, and she was a friend of mine for a long time, and she was Muslim, and um, she, would, she would say to me, Tim, it's crazy. I went to, she, I brought her to church and she said, all you people, you like, you, you talk to God and you think God talks to you. Well, yeah. Isn't that why he came to the cross to have a relationship with us? She said, well, no, God only talks to one human being on the earth and that's the prophet. No, Jesus, Jesus, like they believe in Jesus. Jesus actually talks more in the Quran than, than, the, than, than all of the, like it's crazy. Jesus is in their Bible. He says in their Bible, behold, I stand at the door and knock. They believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Got it mixed up. And the problem is that but they don't believe that they can have relationship with God. And this is how we know that we know that we know it's because God didn't redeem us to be dead to us. He didn't come to the cross to have dead relationship with us. He wants to talk to you. This is what it looks like. When you get the phone call that says from your boss, we're restructuring and you've lost your job. The world is not supposed to have hope in that moment. We do because we have a God who is crazy powerful and loves us. Amen. That is a tandem that is like anything else in this world. Not only is God awesome and he is the bread of life. It's not my job to provide for my family. It's my job to be faithful to God in everything that I do to wake up every day and do what God's calling me to do and get a job. Like I will work, I will work, but God will provide. I will work and God will provide. I will work and then when that day happens, I have hope. This world doesn't understand hope. They don't understand Jesus. He said, I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he looks at Mary and he says, your brother will rise again. I know that some of you have, and you don't want to hear that. Oh, but, but they're in heaven. Well, that's not good enough for me. I'm sorry. I don't know if you know this, but we are all going to die. The hope is not this world. This life is a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. What's most important is the next life that we're fixing to walk into. And the only guarantee I can't do. Harry Houdini, he, he, he did multiple escape tricks. Escaped death like 45 times, they, they say. Well, several times he had to be resuscitated and brought back to life. The dude in all of his escape tricks, being trapped in water, being trapped in sand, being buried alive and all the things that he's done. You know, he, he died of appendicitis. It's terrible. You can do whatever you want, but you're not going to get away. The reality is, is it's going to come for us all. Maybe a car accident. It may be cancer. It, it may be a, an infection in your toenail. The, the result is all the same. The only hope that we have of eternity is the guy that said, I am the resurrection. Yes. Amen. The only hope that you have for your children when it's two o'clock in the morning and they're sick is not good parenting and unfortunately, sometimes it's not a great doctor. And I'm not putting down medicine. They're awesome. We have many people that practice medicine here in our church. I love you. I'm so grateful. And I look to you. But make no mistake about it. 
Eight years ago when my son was born, I gave him to the Lord because I know I can't control his life. I can't control what's going to happen to him. I can't control his life at school and I can't always protect him. But I know he who can. He who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The cross means love. The next thing I want you to know is that the empty tomb means hope. If you have a hope, unlike anything in this world, I am not trying to be cute today by any means. But if we believe in Jesus, I want you to understand we have an advantage that's just simply not fair. Because when someone looks at me and they say, they don't love me anymore or they're not gonna be with me, that's absolutely suffocating to others. But when I hear Jesus look at Martha and say, your brother will rise again, I want you to know that you'll rise again. And if you lose your job, you'll rise again. And if people walk out on you, you'll rise again. And if, and if your kids pass away, like it'd be the worst thing in the world. If your parents pass away, it'd be the worst thing in the world. But they will rise again. And one day, if your hope is in Christ, you will rise again. And you may not like that answer, but you're not God. And it may take you the rest of your life to figure that out. But someday you will. And it, nothing, 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 nothing I've ever heard is more awesome than the only one that cheated death. And he said, death, where is your sting? I have risen from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of this world. And I don't know who he is to you, but when I see a risen savior, I realize that the only thing that matters in my life is me following that guy. What else is there? <laughs> it's crazy. This is the, like the 15th time I'm preaching this message. I've done it like a million times. I've never had it like this. I'm like all somber, but I realize it. Where would we go without him? And I know that in this room right now, there are some whose hearts are hardened to, to Jesus. And as sobering as I can say, I want you to know, he loves you. and He is pursuing you. And without him, you have no hope. And I pray you open your heart to that. And after you realize that there's an empty tomb. I want you to understand that that creates great purpose for your life. You are not designed to work nine to five, simply put. You may work nine to five and you may have to work nine to five for the rest of your life. That's not your purpose in life. It may be your job and it may be your responsibility, but it's not your purpose. You were made for him. And when you know him, you will be a much greater husband, a much greater wife, a much greater father, a much greater mother, a much greater friend, a much greater sibling, a much greater daughter and son. You will be the best version that you are because you're walking with someone that is truly unselfish and will call the greatest out of you every day of your life. And you will realize that there is a world of people out there that don't know love. I was one of them. The cross means love. And the empty tomb means hope. And his calling to you means purpose. Rachel, would you come?
Would you all bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? I believe with all of my heart that there are some in this room today that are just as I was 20 years ago. Whether you believe it or not, the most important person in your life is you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's your spouse or your kids. But I want you to know that you are so important to Jesus. You are so important to Jesus. You are so important to Jesus. He is pursuing you, and he is pursuing you, and he loves you. He so loves you in your mess right now. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God has a plan for your life. I pray you to open your heart to it right now. With every head bowed in this room and every eye closed, I believe God is speaking to some people right now. You're not right with God. You're definitely not living to your potential. You've made some mistakes and you're not currently walking with God. Not the way that you believe he's currently calling you to. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, I'm just going to ask once today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to say a prayer for you right now. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. He's calling right now. You're nervous. Will you answer his call? He is the lover of your soul and you'll never know worth like this moment. Last chance. Can I pray for you? Raise your hand. God bless you. Holy Spirit, you're here. Lord, I ask you, would you say this prayer with me in your heart? Lord, I ask you to Wash me in your blood, would you? Forgive me of my sins. I receive the gift that you gave when you died on the cross for me. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would teach me how to love you. Teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to obey you. Teach me how to love you. Change me, God. Change my desires. Lord, would you come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, move into my life. Make everything new again. It's a holy moment right now. Lord, you're here. I'm thankful that destiny is being made right here. Hmm. All right. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a couple songs. and uh, we've, I've never seen this done before anywhere else, but I believe it can be powerful. It can also be probably weird. But uh, what I've done is I've placed a candle inside the seat in front of you. My friends did it. I didn't do it. But there's a candle in your seat pocket. What I'm going to ask you to do is uh, this is going to be a really powerful gesture that will look back at you. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is take that candle, and I've made some, uh, there's three candles that are lit here, and I'm going to ask you that if you've made a decision at any point in your life 
to follow Jesus. I wanna make that stare at you for the next two songs that we're gonna sing. We're gonna do a real powerful song. You probably have never heard it before and it's gonna, it's gonna rock you, man. It's gonna be so good, man. God, is, His Spirit is here. Take that candle right now and out of your seat and either use one of these. I'm gonna ask you to walk down the center aisles and return out on the back. Otherwise, it's gonna be chaos. So uh, walk down the front and then walk around the back and then we're gonna sing two songs and, uh, and it's gonna be powerful. Is this okay? If you've made the decision to make Jesus your, 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 the light of your world, go ahead and do that right now. Man. What a powerful service. Uh, I'm, God, he's here. I don't know. I, I feel like God is just in me, around me. I love God. I love him. So, Lord Jesus, I love you so much. There's a couple of things we want you to know. One, um, kind of um, kind of baited you with an illustration. See, we asked all of you guys to, to light a candle and light that you would, you're saying that Jesus is your I am, that he is your light in this world. But what's really crazy is this great exchange that Jesus, that happens when you come to Christ. He actually made this radical statement to all of his followers. It blows my mind. He says, actually, no, um, yeah, I am the light of the world. But no, 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 actually, now you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Alicia, you're the light of the world. Like that's, that's a crazy powerful statement. RJ, you are the light of Polk County. Like what a crazy responsibility that is. And I don't know about you, but I often don't feel like I'm ready to. Like I'm like, God, I'm not ready to be a pastor of a church. Well, guess what, Jack? <laughs> you're the pastor. No one else wants to talk today. So anyways, so you're the light of the world, whether you want to be it or not. Now that you've made him your light, you're someone else's hope. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what they're going to do with their job status, with their marriage status, with a healing they need in their body, and you're it. So there's four things I want you to know that if there's one thing that I know that I know that I know, like I've studied as a Christian, like before I was ever a pastor, I was a follower of Jesus. I love God. Like, please understand, I love Jesus. And I've seen a lot of people that love God fall away. That said, like, I want Jesus to be the hope of my life. And they fall away from the Lord. It's awful. To maintain that love for Jesus, I believe that there are four things that we need to do to continue to be in love with Jesus. I'm gonna say them quickly. One. You have to have the Word of God in your life. Like All of us have a Bible. Most of us have one on our phone in 85 different languages. I know that you think that Pastor Tim is the greatest preacher in the world, but you need the Bible in your life. It's how God speaks to His people. Two, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is when Jesus dies for us and we receive Him, it's how He talks to us. It's how He leads us. He, the, if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit today, God is going to speak to everyone in this room something. He's going to say this. No, don't do that. No, don't say that. And you can either listen to that or you can do what you want. If you listen, you will grow and you will hear more. If you disobey and you do it your way, His voice will get faint. It's simple. 
One, you need the word. Two, you need the Holy Spirit. Three, you need generosity in your life. We are not taking an offering. It's not what I'm asking. But you have to give. Money, yes. Time, yes. Feelings, yes. What you have to realize is that Jesus gave, for God so loved the world that he gave, you have to learn one important principle. that You are not the most important person in your life anymore. Everyone else is. This is the secret to generosity is that other people have to be more important than you. It's called love. The fourth thing is simple. It's relationships. We are living in a culture that doesn't want to be around human beings. This is dangerous, and it's dangerous for your love for God. Isolation doesn't develop a greater love for God. We are designed to be in community. And it will provoke you. The more you're around other people that love God, you will grow more in love with God. You will see more miracles. You will see more struggles. It will stir your faith. It will stir your hope. You will believe more. You will trust more. You will need more. One, Bible. Two, Holy Spirit. Three, generosity. Four, relationships. You need them.